Okay, Acts 29 is what it says, because there was only uh, 28 chapters in Acts, and, and the New Horizons culture comes out of Acts 29. <laughs> that's, that's the heart of it. So New Horizons Christian Fellowship culture, we were doing that in preparation for last Sunday night for our finances. This coming Sunday, we're going, going to be talking about uh, uh, having new uh, comers, uh, what do we call it, meal? foundations and, and for newcomers, and we really want everybody to come. So I hope that y'all all can be here. But all of this is preparation leading up to this. You're not going to get the, this rehashed when, when we get there. But we're going to finish up what I started last week. I had four points. Did any of y'all try to come up with a word? Usually I have little clever words, and uh, nobody? Okay. Well, here, here's what? Action, okay, action, there you go, that's good. Anybody else? Well, these were the four points. It comes from Acts chapter 2. Basically, I said, I didn't sign up to be leading a a fellowship. I went to seminary to be a missionary, and and we served 15 years overseas, started a street ministry. I'm not going to go into all the details of that, but basically, I ran into things I didn't know what to do about. And so I just was forced to go back to the scripture and find out what God had to say about it. And that's been pretty good. It's affected me so much. This DNA has been with Debbie and me and our kids for uh, all of our, our, our married life together and even before that. But last week we talked about the apostles' teaching and we looked at simply Jesus and we looked at the scripture. Y'all, I didn't even finish my first point. But so, so let's just hit this really quick. On, when we talk about the apostles, in, in, no, let's just read it. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and read this first. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So this is after Peter's message. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves, this is the, the heart of of uh, Jesus' culture in the book of Acts. It's the heart, we hope, of New Horizons' culture as we grow together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all. As anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Don't you want to see that again? Y'all, we are seeing that. It's happening. So those, there was four points last time. I want you just to, it's actually going to be five today. First of all, the apostle means, the apostle's teaching, when we see apostle's teaching, remember that apostle means the sent ones. They're the ones that are going. And recognize that it's in the plural. It's in the plural. Too often in our man-made institutions, we want to have a figurehead at the top. And that's the one, that head is the one that dictates everything else that happens. 
In a democracy, it could be a, the majority. The mar- majority can become the tyrant of a democracy. So <clears throat> we have a head. Y'all, the apostles were at, 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 at a, an equal level there as they watched and oversaw what God was doing in the body of Christ. But it's in the plural, apostles. That's affected me since the first day. Y'all, when I was out in the streets in Fort Worth and I was battling with demonic things and seeing God do incredible stuff out in the streets that was, was preparing us to live overseas and didn't even come back here, the spiritual warfare here is even more intense than some of the places that we've been. Because God, I mean, the enemy knows the potential of what God is wanting to do, even here in Starkville at Mississippi State University. But in that plurality in the streets, I realized it didn't need to be one person. In leadership, as things grew, I realized that when you look at the scripture, you see that there's a group. Sometimes we say the pastor. Y'all, the only time you find pastor in our English versions in our New Testament is in Ephesians 4, and it's in the plural along with four other gifts in the plural. Pastors. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is a part of the New Horizons culture. We have elders, and those elders work together, but we are mutually submitted to each other. And y'all, we value more than what a group has to say. Anybody in here could potentially have the word of the Lord for us. So the newest believer could come and speak a prophetic word. We, as a group, process everything that God is doing and showing us. So it's sent ones, and it's in the plural, and originally we know the twelve. In fact, Paul himself actually said he called them the twelve in his writings in 1 Corinthians. But you have the twelve that were the apostles, but you also have the seventy that were the apostles. The 70 or 72 that were sent out were also uh, uh, sent as apostles. Same kind of words, same kind of intent. So there are the original 12 that became the 11 when Judas died. They cast lots in Acts chapter 1 and selected Matthias. Paul recognized that Matthias was the 12th because he said the 12th. But he also said about himself that he was an apostle. And see, the apostles were the ones that actually spent time with Jesus. They knew him. That's the original intent. So you have Matthias and Paul that were added, not just the 70. And there are 11 others, y'all look. Apollos, Epaphroditus, James, brother of Jesus, Barnabas, Andronicus, Junius, which is a woman. How about that? Titus, Timothy, Silas, and two others that were unnamed. Y'all, there were 83 apostles in the New Testament. So when we talk about apostles, don't just think about the 12. There are the 12, and that is significant. I believe Matthias also had spent time with Jesus, and that's so important. But Paul, who didn't, met Jesus after Jesus had ascended. Guess what? That means there's hope for us. We can have that same kind of intimacy, and we can be the sent ones. It's important for us to recognize that there were 12. 
that became 11, that became 12. But there were the 70, and there was Matthias, and there was Paul, and there were 11 others. That's all documented. If you want the scripture references, I can give it to you. It's just that it would fill that whole page up if I did. When, when you get to the teaching, oh boy, didn't do my Greek. It's Didache. The, the, the apostles' teaching, it, it actually means teaching. <laughs> what they taught. So the early church in Acts 2, at the end of Acts 2, and we really want to be modeled after that. Amen? Come on, y'all. This is significant. I need your response. Okay? We want to be modeled after this. What they did in the early church, we would like to see happen with us, right? We want to see 3,000 come to know Jesus after one message, evangelistic message. And we want to see in, in, in Acts chapter 4 that it's not just the 3,000, but the 5,000. Yeah? So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, let's look at that for just a minute. Y'all got to watch this. I got some cool graphics going on here. Apostles' teaching. What is that? Y'all, the apostles and the prophets laid the, the foundation for the church. And I want us to see that the apostles' teaching was simply Jesus. Can you imagine the apostles' teaching that they devoted themselves to? We think about some big theological you know, uh, book that, it, that summarizes all of theology. But y'all, here's the way it went. Peter would be sitting over here and going, yeah, and one time I got out of this boat and I was watching Jesus. It was all about Jesus. And it was with renewed eyes because now Jesus had spent 40 days with them. But, but he had walked with Jesus for three years. Can you imagine Thomas talking about how he doubted and then Jesus stood before him and said, hey, just put your hand in my side. Feel these, these nail prints in my hand. Y'all, when they got with the, the early church, it was simply about Jesus. They didn't need a full seminary to address all of the theological issues of the day. They were talking about walking with Jesus on the road. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be awesome? To have firsthand knowledge of an experience with Jesus and to be before a group and they just go, tell me about Jesus and you tell your story. Y'all, if it happened with Paul, it can happen with us. You see, it was those three years walking with Jesus in the Gospels, but they also had the 40 days after the resurrection. And Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, those 40 days that he had with those disciples, he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. So now, not only do they have the three years they walked with him, they now are going through the scriptures because in Luke chapter 24, it says that they used the, the writings of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. That's Genesis to Malachi. They took the whole Old Testament, and Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. Acts 1-3 says taught them about the kingdom of God, but then the two places where he's dealing with the disciples in Luke 24, it actually says, and he showed them and revealed to, him, to them about himself. So, y'all, what he was showing them from the scriptures of the Old Testament 
that was about Jesus, the king and his kingdom. Y'all, this is the foundation of our Jesus culture. It's about Jesus, the king and his kingdom. So that's what the apostles brought. It was a very simple thing about Jesus. And y'all watch. The apostles' teaching, therefore, was about Jesus, the king and his kingdom. It came out of their own experiences. It came from the scripture. Tim Bowden came up to me this morning and said something about Genesis chapter 1. When, when it, it says the, the first command was, the well, first statement is that man was to subdue the earth and rule over all the creatures. The only thing, we said this last Sunday, the only thing he wasn't supposed to rule over was a man, was humankind. Over everything that swims in the sea, flies in the air and crawls, but not man. Because God has made man in his image. And you don't rule over princes and princesses. They are trained to rule. So from the very beginning of the old scriptures of the Old Testament, uh, that, that's where Je- that was Jesus' textbook. And, and the three years they had walking with Jesus became the Gospels. So they, they sat on a stump and talk to people about their experience with Jesus so much that finally folks were going, hey, you got to write this down. And they wrote their book. The three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then the gospel of John. But all of it, y'all, was simply about Jesus. So, in the early church, we've talked about the apostles' teaching. I'm not going to spend any more time about that, but just recognize in Ephesians it says that the church is built on the foundation of, of the apostles and the prophets. So the apostles are the ones that are sent. They lay a foundation that's simply Jesus, and everything else in another teaching comes around that, but we won't get into it today. In Acts chapter 2, the, in the early church, we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, simply Jesus, And that's the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. There is no other cornerstone. There's no other foundation but what Jesus laid, simply him. And that's the gospel, y'all. What's the gospel? Simple as as ABC backwards. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said uh, that he was crucified, buried, and arose. That's the gospel message. Very simple. Don't overcomplicate that. It's a gospel of grace given to men. There's no other name by which we can be saved but through Jesus. Everything else is a religion with man trying to build his way to God, even Christianity. Christianity, if it's about do's and don'ts and not about the relationship that the apostles, the apostles, this reason it's so important that the apostles had that foundation because it's about knowing Jesus. Come on. Joe John, I'm taking you with me, dude. That's absolutely right. So those apostles' teaching brought them to a place of fellowship. What is that fellowship? It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. The word fellowship there, does anybody guess, know what the Greek word is there for fellowship? Aside from those that have studied Greek. Anybody else know? You don't even have to study Greek. Surely you know. All right, somebody that studied Greek. Koinonia. Koinonia. 
So fellowship here is koinonia. What is that fellowship? Y'all, koinonia means partnering together, coming together. And the, the early church, they came together. Let's look how they came together. Look at, at, at verse 43. So all of this, these, these points here of the early church in, in Acts 2 comes from uh, verse 42. It's very simple. But look at 43. What did I do with my glasses? Oh, you know what? I'm going to try it without them. 43. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. You know, it, it occurred to me that if they were at the temple all the time and they were in fellowship all the time, they weren't able to do the business that they had been done. And the word there for needs actually means necessities. It, it means your, your, your bottom line, that you won't starve, you won't, you won't uh, go thirsty, that you would have some kind of covering over your head. So they sold things when they realized the need was there. Now, Cornelius, this is the first time this koinonia is actually used in, in this way and, and, and it means that they partnered together it says in verse 46 it says every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex that's, that's pretty awesome fellowship there right they were coming together why they didn't have a written scroll that they could go from Genesis to Malachi. And the, the, the apostles were the, were the ones that actually sat with Jesus during those 40 days and heard from maybe it was 120. But they had firsthand information. They got the commentary from Jesus on Genesis through Malachi. So they're going to the temple so they can hear the scrolls read, read out loud. Y'all, we take our Bibles so for granted we carry it around with us, and there's even a take your Bible to school day. I think that's awesome. But y'all, with all of the different translations of the Scripture, versions of the Scripture, versions of the Bible now, we don't really value having that written Word of God like they did. They were so hungry for it that daily they went to the temple to hear it read. Daily they went so that they could have it explained to them. And that was just the Old Testament. While we carry our Bible in our back pocket, in our purse, and in our backpack, but we don't get it into our noggin. We don't get it into our brain. And how in the world can you get it into your mind if you hadn't got it in your brain? We don't meditate on it like we should. Y'all, if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, binge watch the Bible. Binge, listen to the Bible. Be consumed with it. Go to that scripture. Their fellowship was a partnership, and they got together, and they, they, they valued it so much, they wanted everybody to be there. And if somebody was needing food, they would sell what they had to get the food to help that person be there. That's some kind of fellowship, right? Well, the, second, the, the next thing, you have the apostles' teaching, and then you have fellowship, and then it says uh, communion or breaking of bread, that breaking of bread. Y'all, don't take that lightly. 
That is so important. How did they break bread? What does that mean? Does that mean having a meal together? Actually, they did. Let's look at that, where, where we just stopped. Every day they devoted themselves, verse 46, to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. Y'all, they broke bread from house to house. And just so that we make sure that we don't miss it, it's not talking about having a meal together because the next thing it says, and they ate their food with a joyful, uh, with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. Y'all, they broke bread. They took communion from house to house. They, they met in, in the, what some would say, the house of God. But y'all, God doesn't make, God does not dwell in a building made by man's hands. He, he made this whole universe, and he's way bigger than any building. Somebody told me one time when kids were getting so excited, they were running in a building, and this was at a very traditional church. I got a phone call, y'all, and this lady said, man, when I was, when I was young, they taught us you don't run in the house of God. I thought, man, that's a good title for a book, Running in the House of God. <laughs> Y'all, we are the house of God, and we together are the house of God. We are the habitation of God himself. Don't take that lightly. And when we take communion, it is actually a picture of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, there Paul goes into the taking and breaking of the bread, and Listen, communion was meant to be a preventative medicine. It said when they broke bread, he, he, he cautioned them. Now make sure you judge rightly the body. Now we have taken that over years and messed that up. When I've been sitting in, in churches in different places and they brought out the communion table and have it out there, they said, make sure you check your heart, make sure that you're saved. If you haven't really trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't you dare come up here and take this communion because it says right after that, those that didn't do it right were sick afterwards and some of them went to sleep and it means died. That's like really slain in the spirit. But y'all... It's not, it's not what we think, what we've been taught in that. Communion is when they got together and they recognized the koinonia, the partnership that they had, and they said before they took communion, look, they did this together from house to house. Can you take communion by yourself? I'm going to do a wedding November the 9th, and they're taking communion in the wedding. It's two of them that are doing it. But it's kind of weird and I've done it before. I've taken communion, just me and, and God. He led me to do that. But communion actually should be with the body of Christ. It's not just with him. We're in covenant relationship with each other. That's what we don't take lightly. When we come to that table, that we search our hearts, and we say, is there a brother or sister that I have not made the last effort that I could to be restored in relationship? Is there someone that I've been talking bad about? Is there someone that I've had bad intentions toward? Listen, before you take communion, that's when you need to judge the body rightly. 
Because if you keep bitterness in your heart or unforgiveness in your heart, it will affect your body. And it will also affect those that you have the problem with. Y'all, I'm learning about the body as I'm going through physical therapy. And it's pretty amazing to see the interregional interdependencies in our body because I dislocated my jaw and it was based on the fact that I had tensions in my shoulders, under my uh, uh, shoulder blade, and up my neck. I'm getting healed. I'm actually feeling things in my legs that I haven't felt for a long time. There's, there's feeling coming back to me. When one part of the body of Christ hurts, everybody hurts. We can't take communion and take it lightly, y'all. When we come tonight together at Unite, y'all, what an opportunity. When we are united, John 17, 23, when we're brought together in perfect unity, that's when we will see the world knowing that God sent Jesus for them, for us. Right? When we come together in unity, communion means that we do this together. And we do it until he comes back. It's not a sad thing. It's a rejoicing thing. It's a victory thing. It's, we do it till he comes again. Not, oh, poor Jesus. You know, when he died on that cross, it was a coronation of a sort on earth. He was already king. But he was recognized fully as king. The devil thought that he had, had taken him down. But on top of it, it said, king of the Jews, but in other languages, meaning all peoples. Wow. They did it from house to house. They, they, they took, oh, I'm, one other thing. They, it, so, so home, this is important. This is important for New Horizons. I haven't pulled, I've been talking about Jesus' culture so much, I haven't even talked about New Horizons' culture. Oh, well. Y'all, this is the reason for smaller groups. Homes, home, we should be breaking bread from house to house in our homes. The kingdom of God is not an institution of a 501c3. The kingdom of God is not about some kind of organizational structure. The kingdom of God is about a kingdom family that's meant to be experienced from house to house. They didn't call each other pastor and apostle. They didn't have that as a title before their name. They called each other brother and sister. And Paul said, if it's an older one, you call him a father or, or a mother. And, and if it's a younger one, call him a, a brother or sister. It's a kingdom family. That's what God's called us to. So we do this from house to house, in home. We break bread together. And then we also eat together. We do that really well at New Horizons. That's a part of our culture. We eat. Bill Buckley likes to say we have holy and anointed food. But last of all, y'all, this is the last point. We have nonstop prayer. Say nonstop prayer. We just finished 50 hours in Tent America. Fields, thank you. Chelsea, where are you? Thank you. Trace, thank you, and all of you that were part of that. How many of you were part of 10 America, that 50-hour thing out, out of Mississippi, Mississippi State? Raise your hand. 
Y'all, I, I went out there. They were telling me that people would walk by and they would begin talking to them and folks would break down and start crying. I went, wow, that's cool. I got out there. First person that came by, I talked to them. They broke down crying, put their head in my shoulder, weeping as God met them at that tent. And I, I realized, you know, there's something. It wasn't just that there was a tent there. It was focused on prayer. That's what, but that's what we were doing. The early church was focused on prayer. It's a part of our foundation. We said in the early days at the bar when we first started, nothing, we will do nothing. We're not going to fill up a schedule. We're not going to fill up some kind of chart, an uh, organizational chart. And we're not going to do anything unless God tells us through prayer. We're going to wait in our Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on us and shows us what to do. So we still don't have a Sunday school, but we eat breakfast together. How crazy is that? Do you know what? The Lord's stirring in some, though. We may have a Sunday school. And I want to tell you, it's coming out of prayer if we do. In the early days, every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, men met together to pray every morning. Sometimes it was just me. Most of the times there would be two or three. But in the bar, we would pray and ask God to move. It's no wonder that we have 24-hour prayer meetings every month here. It's no wonder that we have a 72-hour prayer meeting here every quarter. And it's no wonder that God has raised up a ministry called E20 that is going out, not just to mobilize other places and other uh, cities into prayer, but to... Uh, to see a revival in the church that the dry bones would come together and get some flesh on it, some skin on it, and at least become a corpse. You know, in the buildings, we don't even have cor corpses anymore. If you look, look at the statistics, it sounds like Christianity may be going down. Uh-uh. It's just getting purified. God is tightening us up. When we have the corpse in the church, in the body of Christ, and the Spirit of God comes in, y'all, it transforms, it morphs into a mighty army. So God is calling us to nonstop prayer. I saw, uh, I think, it, Chelsea, it may have been you talking about nonstop prayer. 50 hours of nonstop prayer. And I thought, man, this fits good. Nonstop prayer. That's the, that's the last point in my five points. Everybody went, phew. So let's see if you can remember this. What does AT stand for? Apostles teaching. And, and it means Jesus. Just simply Jesus. Somebody comes to you and starts trying to argue with you. And they try to draw a circle that keeps you out. You just draw your circle bigger and bring them in. And you say, do you love Jesus? Is it? Is it? A gospel of grace, simply a gospel of grace in Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection. A gospel of grace that doesn't give license to sin. It's simply Jesus. That's the apostles' teaching. A, a, a fresh, intimate. Y'all, I don't want to stand up here if I hadn't had something fresh from God. I'm getting more revelation than I've ever gotten in my life in these days. You must be praying for me. It's blowing me away. Well, tell me, what, what does F stand for? 
in the early church. Fellowship, what's the Greek word? Koinonia means partnering together. Well done. What does C stand for? What? Communion. What does that mean? Breaking the bread together, right? And not taking that lightly. What does H stand for? Homes. Family. Kingdom family. And N stands for? Nonstop prayer. Y'all, that is common ground right there. N-H-C-F at Jesus. New Horizons Christian Fellowship at Jesus. Come on now. I didn't work this out. God set that up. Do you hear? Because he wants our culture to be a Jesus culture. So much so that our worship team is starting for Jesus culture. Are you starting for Jesus culture? Are we coming down to the foundation, the fundamentals of what it means to be the body of Christ? Are we? That is common ground in HCF at Jesus. If you can't remember that, something's wrong. Come up here and let's pray for your healing. Right? So what does this mean for us? How are we responding? You know, really, it just comes down to one thing. Saying yes to Jesus. It's not complicated. Some of you may be corpses. And I want you to know, that can change just like that. It's as simple as this. Somebody said this to me this past week at our men's lunch, our, our uh, band of brothers. I'm going to stop calling that men's lunch. That's, that's boring. Who wants to go to men's lunch? I don't know how good the food. Who wants to go to Band of Brothers? Yeah, baby. I'm all in. Who wants to be part of Kitchen Crew? Eh. Who wants to be a part of the hospitality team? Ha! Do you hear what I'm saying? We're trying to get some, some, some values into our vision so that we don't do things just because we do it. This, last week, somebody said, one of, the, one of the guys from Church of God, he, he, y'all, we had somebody from Church of Christ last week. First time we've had We've had folks from... Uh, Catholic church that come every week to the men's group. There's over 10 churches every time that are represented when we get our band of brothers together. One of these guys from Church of God said, said it's kind of like this. God sticks his hand out to shake our hand. And my brother Tim not only shakes our hand, he goes to the brother stuff and flies away with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Stand up, bro. We got to do the booty bump. Come on. Oh, Boom. He said, I ain't doing it. He did the brother thing, though. God sticks his hand out to us, and our reaching out to him to receive or to engage him is based on the faith that he is going to keep his hand there. You can take it. That's, it. that's all it is. That's, that's how you get born again. God has extended himself through Jesus and is simply reaching out and taking his hand. Have you ever done that? Have you been there and you've heard about the hand reached out? Have you, ever, have you ever been there and heard about it, but never reached out and took it? Today, you can go from being a corpse to being a born-again, alive member in the body of Christ. 
Some of you, before you walk out of this door, need to reach out and say, I'm taking his hand. I've never done that. I believed about him, but never believed in him. Others of us, y'all, I don't know what your hang-up has been, but I can tell you I've had some. And God's bigger than our hang-ups. He is waiting for prodigal sons and daughters to come back to him. If he sees us just limping back to the house, he runs and falls on us and lavishes us with kisses and kills the fatted calf. And he says, welcome home. How long has it been since you've had an an intimate relationship with Jesus that you could be the one sitting on the stump talking about it? Y'all, that can happen today. We're not talking about churchianity. We're talking about real body of Christ, Jesus culture. And how are you going to live this week? How are we going to live? You don't have to go to the temple to hear the, the word read now. You are the temple and you carry the word. You can pull it out of your back pocket. Well, heck, you can actually listen to the temple reading of the word on your iPhone or smartphone. Right? Binge listen to the word and ask the Holy Spirit to make it alive in us. Can we make a commitment to do that? Y'all, when we do, we will be filled with the Spirit of God, I'm convinced. And one message out in a public place may result in 3,000 coming to know Jesus, even without a sound system. So, Lord, our answer to you is yes. I reach out and take your hand. Afresh and anew. Jesus, we want your kingdom values in our lives every day. And we ask that New Horizons Christian Fellowship would be more than a, an, an acronym that, uh, that shows this Acts 2 passage, but that we would really reveal the Jesus culture in everything that we do.